So y'all, I'm going to sit tonight. I don't normally, but last semester when I preached, I was barely pregnant and I was super out of breath. And now I'm more pregnant. So I'm going to sit and hopefully I won't be out of breath. And y'all can understand me. All right. <laughs> so tonight, Matt mentioned the project trip to Atlanta. If you are thinking about doing a trip, you should do the project trips at some point before you graduate. One of my best experiences in college was going, actually it was a missions internship, but very similar to a project trip. The summer after my sophomore year of college, I got to spend in Asia. Um, it was great. I was traveled several different places, but for the most part, we were in Baguio City, Philippines, which is mountains, and it is beautiful. It was gorgeous. That wasn't even the highlight of the trip. What God did was even way better, and I'm not just saying that, it's true. But it was gorgeous and beautiful being in these mountains, not like anything else I've ever seen anywhere else that I've been. But the thing about being in mountains, even though it's beautiful, is that you've got to do a lot of driving up and down rocky, mountainous, curvy roads. And this was not like smooth highway type of roads. This was like bumpy, crazy, not smooth at all. And thankfully, I'm not the kind of person who gets car sick at all. But I was with like nine other girls, and about half of them did. <laughs> and so every time we'd go on one of these trips to some village or some place, we would be in usually a van or some vehicle, and they would always put me in the back. And the thing was, very rarely would there be extra seats. Very rarely would there be a, like, the same number of bodies as there were seats. Usually, there were more people that should have been in the van, and I'm in the back, because I don't get car sick, seasick, whatever, ever. So they put me in the back, in the middle, and then crammed all these people around me. I don't get car sick, but I really do not like tight, squeeze places. I want my personal space, like, I love people, I don't mind, like, a hug and physical affection, but, like, I need my space. I get claustrophobic, right? And so this missions trip, this missions trip was awesome, but it was a summer of stretching for me in terms of being, feeling trapped physically, right? I've also had times in my life where I've felt trapped emotionally, relationally, spiritually. One of the first times I can remember was starting middle school and my family moved for the ninth time. I wasn't even 11 yet. And we had moved again. And I was not happy about it. Man, I had just finally like solidified my friend group, felt like I was in a good routine, I knew what was going on in the world. And all of a sudden, we're in a new city, new church, new school, new home, and everything felt like it had turned upside down. Other life events occurred, and I just, I didn't know how to process any of it. I started to feel depressed and anxious, didn't know how to talk about it, didn't have tools to manage it, and I felt trapped emotionally. I felt trapped like I had no way out, nowhere to go, no one to talk to. Several years later, as an adult, I felt trapped in a relationship with a friend who I had tried to process the hard things with, and unfortunately, she, even though I thought it would be cool, she ridiculed me and put me down for the questions I asked, and I was like, man, how do I go forward in this relationship? What do I bring up? What do I say? How do I move? I thought I was close to this person, and now I feel, feel hurt by her, and I felt trapped again, this time relationally. And so 
Well, I'm sure you haven't had the same exact experiences as, as me. I'm sure we can all relate to that feeling, a feeling trapped, a feeling claustrophobic in our life situations, of being desperate for something to change, for something to be different, to get out of a place of, of just being stuck. Maybe that's where you're at now, maybe thankfully you're not there now, but you can look back and you can see, think of a time when you felt that way emotionally or spiritually, relationally, and like, I just needed something to change and it seemed like it wouldn't. Like I was just stuck and trapped and claustrophobic in this place. And if so, I think you can probably relate to the main character of the story we're gonna look at tonight in the Bible. So this guy, I'm gonna give a little backstory before we read it. We don't know his name. We know very little about him, but we know two factors. One, that he was a Samaritan. If you know anything about biblical history, about Bible times, um, when Jesus walked the earth, the Samaritans were looked down on by the Jews. There was racism, essentially, that was taking place. And so the Samaritans would have been an outcast, not part of larger societies deemed as less than. This guy was also a leper. So leprosy, if you don't know, is just like a skin disease. It's actually like a classification for several skin diseases. And like now we know how to treat that kind of thing and what to do about it. But in the time that this story takes place, they didn't. Like there wasn't medical treatment. It was, okay, we don't want the skin disease to spread to someone else. And so the way that it was managed and, and taken care of is people who had leprosy, lepers, were cast out. They could not stay in their homes, in their villages. They had to be outside of the town and in a special place. There were special rules around what they could do and not do and how they could do it. And then some of them, depending on the actual condition and what happened, like maybe you would get better and you would be able to go back. Maybe not. Maybe this would be the rest of your life being an outcast. So this guy in our story, he has both of these things going for him. He has leprosy, and he's also Samaritan looked down upon by like the popular culture around him at the time. And I imagine that he probably felt a little bit desperate for change and stuck in his situation. But we're going to find out today in our story that he meets Jesus and things, things start to change. So we're going to read in Luke 17. It's going to be on the screen. It's also a new version. If you all don't know, you can pull up the Bible app literally the one that says Bible, the little brown box, and go to the events tab and find and follow along with the notes there. But we're going to read uh, in Luke 17, starting in verse 11. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he, this is Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. This is what they were told to do. They'd have to go to the priest if they had leprosy, and the priest was the one who said, you're cleansed and you're clean and you can go back to your home. Or no, you're not clean. You need to be still out and not doing the normal thing because of your leprosy. So this is why Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not 10 cleansed? 
Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. So if I'm honest, I used to think that this story was a little strange. I totally believe that the Bible is the word of God and is inspired by God and is applicable to us. Every part of it is applicable to us. That there's things in it for us to learn and grow from and that God gave it to us for a specific reason. But I was confused by this story. I think it's because my idea of gratitude was a little messed up. You see, I thought gratitude was just this thing. Saying thank you was just a, a politeness. Something you do out of obligation. And so I would read this story and I'd be like, okay, so God, you want us to be polite? Like... What's the point here? Like, okay, we can be polite. This one guy felt obligated enough to go back and say thank you, and he was better than the other guy but because of it. And I just, that's kind of all I chalked it up to. I didn't quite get it. Um, but as my understanding of gratitude has grown and changed, I've realized there's way more to it than that. So actually, gratitude is more than just politeness. It's more than just an obligation. It actually has a significant impact on our lives. And not just the person that we're like, oh, like if Aikiko's like, thanks Natalie for whatever. Man, I feel appreciated. Like she thought of me. She realized like what I did and said thank you to me. And I feel appreciated. But not just that way. Like gratitude has a significant impact on the life of the person who actually has the gratitude and says thank you. Because what happens in the story, right? Like, the guy goes back and he tells Jesus thank you. He gives glory to God. He says thank you for healing me. Thank you for cleansing me. And then it doesn't go on to say, Jesus really likes that he was appreciated. I mean, I'm sure he did. I'm sure it felt good to like be appreciated. But actually then Jesus responds and says he blesses the man and says that he, um, some translations will say blessed, some say saved, and both are, are right, looking at how it could be translated in the original language. But this guy is saved. He says your faith has saved you as a result of this encounter, of coming back. And so it's not just a, oh, the gratitude was for all for Jesus. Like it ended up blessing this guy as well. And that brings me to like the main thing I want us to get from the story tonight, is that gratitude creates more room in our lives for God to move. So gr gratitude, having a lifestyle, a mindset, a discipline of gratitude is worthwhile because it creates room in my life for God to move. So I'm not saying that gratitude is what saves us. Right? The only way that we can be saved, that we can be made right with God, is by transferring our trust from ourselves to Jesus and what he did on the cross. We know that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was fully human, fully God, lived a completely perfect, sinless life, but still died a criminal's death on the cross and was raised to life three days later so that we could be in right relationship with God. He took that punishment, that death for us. And by choosing not to trust our own good works, the good things we do, but trust him, that's how we're saved. That's how we're made in right relationship with God. 
I mean, and there's all sorts of ways that God works in our life. So I'm also not saying like, man, if you're in a really hard situation right now, all you have to do is be thankful and you're gonna be out of it. I don't, that's not true. Like, I'm not trying to misrepresent here. But I do think that gratitude is one of the tools, one of the things that God uses in our lives to create space for him to work. So here's a question. How important is gratitude? Is this just like the one time we see it? I mean, if something's important to someone, they talk about it a lot, right? Usually. So like Kimber really likes Star Wars. If you've spent time with Kimber, you've heard her talk about Star Wars. Man, I don't even know Star Wars. And sometimes we talk about something and she'll be like, like? And start, and I'm like, is that Star Wars? Cause like, it's just Kimber, that's who she is. She likes it, it comes out. If you spend time with me, like, you've heard me talk about my kids. Unless you just met me tonight, you have heard me talk about my kids. I love them, I spend a lot of time with them. I have stories of cute and crazy and ridiculous fun things they do. Because I love them, they're important to me, right? So what about God? We would stand to reason that if something's important to God, he's going to bring it up a lot. And especially in the Bible, this book that he's given us to understand, to know how to know him, to, to experience him. And so how much is gratitude in the Bible? It's actually a lot. Quite a bit. I mean, obviously we can't hit on every single time tonight. But I do want to give a brief overview just to give us this idea of how big and how important gratitude is. So in the Old Testament, the beginning of the Bible, one of the first times we see gratitude is Joseph makes a promise to his father Jacob, and Jacob actually bows in gratitude to Joseph. That might be cultural, but it sounds like a pretty big display of thankfulness to me. And then there's King David, who we know is a man after God's own heart. And he, over and over and over again, prays prayers of thanksgiving and sings songs of thanksgiving in 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, you read through Psalms. There's plenty of Psalms him or he and other people have written of Thanksgiving recorded to God. Um, there are also special times of Thanksgiving that you can read about in the Old Testament, like when the temple foundation was laid. Um, other times when things were happening, there's these big parties, but they were parties and celebrations of Thanksgiving to God. Daniel was even threatened. His life was threatened. And it doesn't, you know, as a kid, I heard this story and I was like, oh, then Daniel went and prayed. The Bible actually includes thanksgiving. Like, even after his life was threatened, if he continued to pray, it says Daniel went and prayed, and part of that was thanking God, as was his regular practice. Um, there's even instructions for specific types of offerings and sacrifices of thanksgiving given in the Old Testament. And then when we get to the New Testament, which is when Jesus shows up in the story, the Gospels, we see numerous times that Jesus gives thanks. He thanks God before he multiplies bread and fish. Um, he's eating a meal with his disciples and he says thanks. He even thanks God for hearing him before he raises Lazarus from the dead. And then after that, we have Acts, which is this book about how the church, how Christians got established. And there's this idea, this uh, modeling by Paul, he thanks God for some of the people who came to meet him, even though it was a ridiculously difficult, hard time. He thanked God for these people. And then 
I have a list of references that Hannah's going to put on the screen because I think these are really important. And so I didn't put every single verse up there, but y'all can take a picture or screenshot it from you version to go back and look at these later if you want to study it yourself. But I'm going to read some of these. This is throughout, like the next part of the New Testament is called the epistles, those letters that were written to the early Christians, the early churches, for them to, instructions for them, essentially. Answers to questions, problems being resolved. And these are all examples of thankfulness or instructions of thankfulness. Um, So I'm going to read some of these. The first one in Romans, Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. In Corinthians, he says, I always thank my God for you. In 2 Corinthians, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. In Ephesians, I never stop giving thanks for you. In Philippians, don't worry about every about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then there's several in Colossians, where he says, um, being rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Um, and then in, this one in Colossians 3, he says three times in three verses, He says to be thankful or have gratitude. Again in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. I could keep reading, but these are all instructions of thankfulness as you continue on down that list. And I would encourage you to go look at them later. And lastly, the very last book of the Bible in Revelation, we get a glimpse of eternity. And guess what we're doing in eternity? Thanking God. Praising God and thanking him for what he's done for us. So I think we can see from this, gratitude is pretty important to God. It comes up a lot in the Bible, right? Like that was a long list and that wasn't even everything. It matters. It's not just a, oh, it's a polite thing to do. It actually is important to our Christian walk, to ourselves. It creates room for God to work in our lives. So... What isn't gratitude, though? Can we do gratitude wrong? And I'm going to look really quick at another story. Um, and this is actually a story that Jesus tells. Jesus tells a story. It's a parable. If you've been going to Life Group this semester, this school year, we've been studying the parables, stories that Jesus tells. And so this one is actually just in the next chapter over in Luke 18. And he's telling this story to illustrate a point about pride and trusting in ourselves. But I think it also shows us uh, how we can get gratitude wrong and so we're going to read that i'm sorry i thought i had it right on this page and i don't so i'm going to find it here we go luke 18 starting the first time he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee which was just a religious leader in that day and the other a tax collector who were looked down upon in that society The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in this story, the Pharisee uses the word thank you, the words thank you, but I don't think he actually had a heart of gratitude. It came from a place of pride. So here's the thing. Gratitude is appreciating someone, something else, because we recognize that there is goodness being brought into our life that is outside of ourselves. Pride is saying, man, I'm better. I'm better than other people. I'm good. Everything I've got is my own doing. It's the exact opposite of true, real gratitude. So when we say thank you or use, use the terms thank you or try to have this gratitude that lifts ourselves up and puts other people down, that's a comparison, that's not real gratitude. And that's not making, actually making room for God to work in our life. It's the opposite. It's pride, which actually closes off our hearts to God and doesn't allow him to work because it says, hey, I'm better. I don't need you. I don't recognize what you're doing because it's all about me. Y'all follow me on that, the difference? So real gratitude is, is humble. There's a humility in it. So if gratitude, having a lifestyle, a mindset, a discipline of gratitude is worthwhile because it creates room for God's work in our lives, what do we do about that? How do we become grateful people? I mean, so for me, that looks like Every day, I spend time, when I spend my time with Jesus, I write down one thing I'm grateful for. Now let me say this. With, I'm going to give us some ideas. How do we become, develop gratitude in our lives? You could come up with something super elaborate. That's not going to be the best idea. Because you know what the best idea is? Something that you're actually going to do. Right? So it might sound super simple, writing down one thing every day I'm grateful for. But it's actually made a significant impact in my life. Significant enough that I'm talking to you tonight about gratitude, okay? Like, it works when we take a simple practice and we incorporate it daily and allow it to change us and to, to grow us and make room in our lives. So, yeah, there's a picture. We're not going to leave it there long because I want you all to listen to me and not read everything I was thankful for in the month of January. But that's how I do it. I take a little planner. I write down every day one thing I'm thankful for. I think in January there were two days I was thankful for a heated house. It was cold. We had snow. I was thankful for heat, and I really met it. So, yeah, that's just one idea. But, yeah, if you all want to look at it later, you can actually look at it later. Um, but that's, that's something that we can do. And I actually want to tell you all, I didn't, even, I didn't start with that. I started this because I was in the season of life, another season, where I felt stuck. I felt like there was nowhere to go. I was desperate for change. And I didn't know what to do. And so this particular time, I joined a support group of other people who could relate, because I'm like, well, maybe if I talk to people who can relate, things will get better. And that helped. But funny enough, the support group had homework. And guess what? Every week, I was supposed to make a list of five things I was grateful for. And at first, I was like, this is lame. <laughs> like, what is this going to do? And it was, it was obligation. I would come up with five things that I knew I should feel thankful for, but didn't really feel thankful for, if I'm honest. But over time, as I did this every week, I started to actually really feel thankful for the things I was writing down. 
And then all of a sudden, it went from just making this list to throughout my week, I would feel little bits of thankfulness and I'd be like, oh, I should put that on my list. So now I would feel thankful when something happened. I would write it down so I'd feel grateful again when I thought about it a second time. And then I would share it in the group and I'd feel thankful a third time. And it actually started to change my perspective. Yeah, there were other things that contributed, other things that helped, but I could actually see how gratitude and taking time to appreciate things, people, emotions, events, was changing me. How it was making more room in my heart for God to move in my life. And so by the time the support group ended, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. And so I started doing it in my journal and writing something down every day because it's something that I took and I gleaned and I wanted to keep valuing. So I have a list here of other ideas. Maybe you do the journal like me every day. Maybe you make a list of five to seven things that you're thankful for once a week. Maybe you have a running list on your phone. You add to it every time you feel grateful. Uh, maybe you say thank you to someone verbally every single day. You maybe sit down once a month and write thank you notes to three or four people. Maybe you do something entirely more creative. The point is just to do something that is a starting point. A starting point for developing gratitude, for expressing gratitude. Because when you do that, it's going to become part of who you are. You're building a discipline and creating space for God to continue to work in your life. And if we all do that, imagine what that would do for our Kyle figure, for our campus. What would it look like if we were all more grateful people? I bet everyone in this room would feel more appreciated if everyone else here was more grateful. I also imagine that we would be more attractive to our campus. People would be like, hey, I want to be part of that Kyle group. Like, they're really appreciative and kind people. I imagine that there would be more happening, more stories to tell of how good God is. Like, we already have them, but I bet there would be even more if we had more grateful hearts and had a discipline and a lifestyle of gratitude. I think you all have big imaginations and could think of even more things that God could do in us and through us, through your life group, through our Wednesday night worship, through our times of prayer, through other things as we grow in gratitude of becoming grateful people.